It's so good to see everybody. You guys look great, and it must have been like a week since I've seen you. I don't know, but it just feels longer, but uh, uh, good to see everybody. And We talked last week about follow, tar- kind of starting this discipleship series. want to just kind of and continue with that, and our text was Matthew chapter 16. And so if we can do that and just kind of talk a little bit, and I want to just give you some practices of a Jesus follower. Practices of a Jesus follower. Amen. How many Jesus followers we got in here? Amen. If you're not, then you can be one today. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was talking to his disciples in verse 24, and he begins this uh, discourse on discipleship. And very familiar passage of Scripture, very famous. But Jesus said to his disciples in verse 24, that if any man will come after me, or make an approach towards me, or want to follow me, he said, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And so we talked about discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And I really believe that uh, many people look at discipleship and they just see it as when someone comes to the Lord, they need to be trained, they need to be, you know, just kind of learn the doctrines of the Bible and the basic principles, but it's more than that. Discipleship really is a lifelong journey with Jesus and other people. That's what it's about. In fact, the call to salvation that Jesus gives is a call to discipleship. You can't separate the two. Discipleship isn't something that it's kind of like just an elite membership, you, you kind of belong to a different club, you're a Christian, or if you want to be a disciple, then somehow you got a gold member status, or you belong to the country club or the yacht club. No, discipleship is every person who takes on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so he, began, he saves you, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, you become his follower. He starts to lead you, and so it starts with a relationship, and this is what it's all about. And, and really, when Jesus said to the disciples later, before he went on the cross, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And when he said that, even after he died, he said, go and make disciples. See, what happened was he confirmed their identity, and he confirmed their mission. And that's what happened. And so really what happens is Christians, we're all part of God's family of missionary servants. That's what we're called to do. To really just go into the world and to make disciples and to be disciples. That is what it's all about. And so as I began to study and began to think about this, I thought, Lord, there's just nothing more simple, nothing more uh, elementary than this right here. And yet... It's so powerful when we get a hold of it. When we realize that God has called us as his disciples and we're called to make disciples, it begins to change your whole perspective. It really does. And I began to just see some things about some scriptures that I began to look at and about following Jesus. And wow, it was so awesome. And so one of the first things I saw was that a call to salvation is a call to discipleship. And so the Lord began to speak to me about what, what it is to follow, what it means to be a disciple. So I believe it's these three things. It means to follow, to serve, and to lead. So we follow, that's really walking with Jesus. And to serve, that's fellowship with other believers and other people. And then to, to, to lead is really to win souls or win the lost as we talk about. We talked to name this word, we put this word on it called evangelism. But I want to just bring out a couple principles here today found in Acts chapter 11. We mentioned this and uh, uh, if you're not uh, familiar with turning your Bible, we're going to turn our Bibles or click on your phone or device. Turn with me or click to uh, uh, Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11 verse 26. And I can't get into all these scriptures, I'm just going to hit a little bit as I can and and uh, try to just make this um, really make sense as much as I can. Acts 11, 
chapter 11, verse 26. It says this, but it says, And when he found him, this is the testimony of Paul and Saul, as it were, when Paul the Apostle, as we know him, but Saul of Tarsus, he, he was first, his experience with the Lord. The Bible says that a man found him, and he said when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves together with the church. And he taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So the very first time that the word Christian was used, the very first place it was used in history or where it came from was right here. They said it first called Christians at Antioch. So they began to call them Christians. Well, these people are a little different. They're, they, you know, they, they're believers in Jesus. They do this. They do that. They, they speak the same thing. I mean, the only thing we can identify them with is the word Christians. The word Christians mean Christ follower or Jesus follower. So they went around calling them Jesus followers. So that's the best way we can put a label on these people, best way to describe how these people uh, act and who they are. And we kind of put them in a category. We call them Christians or Jesus followers. Amen. How many are a Jesus follower? Amen. And still to this day, that name stuck. Christians, Christianity, Jesus followers. That's what it means. It's not something that was just made up uh, through time that we just decided to, what are we going to call our club or what should we call this religion? No, it was identified by people who actually knew Jesus, who walked with Jesus, who lived like Him, who spoke like Him, who had the same mission and the same call and the same heart as Jesus. They were called Jesus followers. Amen. And still to this day, we call each other Christians or Jesus followers. You see, what happens is when you begin to talk about stuff like this, you realize that most people identify the church as a building. When they call them the church, they identify us with a building. And they call it, well, that's the church or that is a church. But how many know nowhere in the Bible does it identify a church with a building? Nowhere. It identifies church as with people, God's people. And we're sent out by the Holy Spirit to do God's work, to make disciples, and, and, to, and to, to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so today, I'm not looking at just a bunch of people gathered in a church. I'm looking at the church. You are the church, the church, the called out ones, those who have been called out, amen, by Jesus, who have been saved, amen, who are Jesus followers. And so I'm, I'm just really passionate about this. I'm saying, Lord, I want to be a better Jesus follower today than I was yesterday. But I also believe God's doing something really unique in our generation that if we'll hear it and we'll see it, God's doing something. He's taking us from a place of just coming in and just to a place on Sunday mornings where we're just coming and hearing to going and telling. See, a lot of people, when they think of a church and they think of a building, they think of a bunch of people just gathering out of religious duty, coming, singing songs, and hearing a message, and they leave it right there. But how many know it's much more than that? Being the church is much more than that. Amen? Yes, we gather together. Yes, we have Bible studies. Yes, we do outreach. It's all part of that. It's all part of the discipleship of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we're not just here coming this morning to hear and we just kind of, okay, that's great, but we're, we're, we're coming this morning gathering together that we could equip the saints, that we can encourage one another to go and tell. Now, I don't know about you, but God wants us to change our way of thinking in this church. God wants us to change our culture a little bit. God wants us to change the way we've been doing things a little bit. Amen. Because why? Because if not, we can get into a religious rut. We can get into a religious circle and keep going around in circles, right? 
right? And we can just keep being blessing each other and hearing the word, you know, and preaching and singing and doing church and not being the church. And that's, that's dangerous because when you get like that, you get selfish, you get inward, and you forget about the world around, outside around us. Amen. And God wants us to continue to keep this focus in every generation. And so, as we talked about last week, that when you're a Jesus follower, Jesus becomes your leader, he becomes your teacher, he becomes your master. So therefore, you become the follower, the student, and the servant. Amen. And so we talked about those things last, last week. But I just want to go into the practices of a Jesus follower. Practices of a Jesus follower. You know, it reminded of a story that some years ago that uh, there was a, a great, great missionary that really came to this church from China. And he originally from California, moved everything, he sold everything, went to China. And a tremendous ministry. I would consider this man the modern day Apostle Paul, in my opinion. Been tortured, he's been in prison, he's just, he's been in underground, he's been, uh, uh, but he's got tremendous results and fruit in China. Just a tremendous man of God. But he was here in our church and sharing. And then after the service, we went to a member's house and we were sitting around, a bunch of us sitting around at dinner. And after dinner, we were just talking. He was sharing stories about all the salvations, all the churches. I mean, he shared great stories about, you know, the average, uh, he said the average pastor that he knows is, a, is she's a, a female and she's 17 years old, was the average pastor there in China. And all the underground churches and all the wonderful things and miracles that are happening and there was a young man sitting at the table and he had just come back from seminary and he was just studying all different types of religion and Christianity and had a lot of questions and one of the things he asked he said you know or one of the things he said he told this missionary he said you know that's good for you that's great and he said but you know one of the reasons that all these people are getting saved in China and all these wonderful things are happening is because the sinners are different they don't have anything they're poor they're under communism they they they, they you know, and immediately the missionary fired back and he said, no, young man. He said, the sinners aren't different. The Christians are different. Amen? He said, they're the ones getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, showing up and praying for hours for revival. They're the ones that are laying down their lives for the gospel, being in prison for the gospel. They're different. Amen? And how many know I believe it's time that we don't get in a cultural rut in America, amen, in the Western civilized world, but we get into the kingdom type mentality that, amen, we're different. Amen, because of Jesus, we're different, amen. And we're going to be different. And so the practices of a Christ follower and a Jesus follower are a little different, amen, than maybe you expected. But number one, I thought about what they are and thought about the first practice of a, of a Christ follower, Jesus follower, is complete conversion to Jesus Christ. A practice that you can clearly see that Jesus calls for immediately when he shows up. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Before he called people, amen, to, to, to this intense discipleship, he gave them the invitation to salvation. He said, amen, to, should, they should be converted. Converted In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 and 20, we're not going to look at all these scriptures, but I'm going to name a few. It says this, it says, Jesus called to the disciples and he said, Come and follow me and I will transform you into, unto men who catch people for God, or fishers of men. Immediately, the Bible says, they dropped their nets, they left everything behind to follow Jesus. See, a true disciple is a true convert. You can't get somebody that just half believes in Jesus or somebody that worships Jesus and worships another religion. It's somebody that is completely sold out, converted to Jesus Christ. 
And there's no other picture of this than I can think of than the work and that we see of baptism. The Bible makes it clear that if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to be baptized. If you want to be saved, you must be baptized. The Bible says, amen, that as you're baptized, you're not just getting wet, you're baptized into Christ. In other words, Jesus is the new man that you put on. You put off the old man of sin, you put off the old man of darkness, and you put on the new man of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is the new man that you put on. And you know, anywhere else, any other part in the world, they understand this best. They understand, and Jesus knew it back then and taught this, that if you were going to follow somebody, if you were gonna, they were going to be your master, you were going to be the servant, they were going to be your teacher, you were going to be the student, that you had to be baptized into their name. You had to be baptized to them. And that's why a lot of times you'll see even in the scriptures, Paul dresses that they were baptizing in the name of dead saints. Or they were baptizing in the name of Paul, the apostle. They were baptizing in the name of this and that and everything. Because they considered themselves followers of that. How many know whatever you baptize yourself into, that's what you follow. That's what you worship. And so the, Jesus, and so when he called us to be saved, he said you've got to be baptized. You have to be, amen, converted to me. And so that's what conversion is. It's baptized, being baptized into Jesus Christ, baptized in his name. See, baptism is always, always represents discipleship. This is how I know, John said, we know that we've been saved. This is how we know that we've passed from death to life. This is how I know that I'm his disciples. I've been baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. If I was baptized into another religious leader, if I, was, I would say I was his follower. I would say that he was my Lord. I would say that he was my master. But I've been baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ because I've been converted to him. So I've been, I've been not just, not just uh, believe in him, but I've been converted to him. See, I've been separated from my sins. I've been separated unto God for God. That's what it means to be baptized into Jesus Christ. And I've received the Holy Spirit, the Bible makes it clear. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what did Jesus say? He said, wait here, Terry, in Jerusalem till you receive the promise of the Father. And he said that you are going to be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you're going to be my witnesses in the earth. Amen. And this is what the disciples were called to do, is witness. The Holy Spirit confirms that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says that we are not of the flesh, but we are in the Spirit. And so that of the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He's not of Christ. He's not of the Lord. This is how we know we belong to God. The Bible says that he has given us his Spirit. So disciple is a true convert, a convert of Jesus. He is totally converged, can kind of turned over his life and been a convert and, 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 and turned over to uh, the ways of Jesus, the, the, the mindset or the teachings of Jesus. Amen? He's a follower of Jesus Christ. See, many, and I believe that I've talked to you over the years, seem to be convinced but not converted. It's possible to be convinced in your mind and yet conver converted in your heart. But, I mean, the Lord isn't just looking for people that are convinced in their mind that He's Lord. They want, he wants them to be converted in their heart to His Lordship. And that's what it's about. Amen. And so, uh, uh, one that's converted, a disciple that's converted, is someone who turns from their sin without reservation. They don't look back. They just completely turn over their life to Jesus and turn back from sin, turn away from sin. They believe completely that Jesus is the Christ without any type of regret. Or reservation, as John, 
as we, as we see in the John's Gospel with Peter. A disciple who has been converted to someone who loves the truth and they love what's right and they love righteousness, as the Bible says. They love to do what's right. How many know that's, that's true conversion? I mean, at one time, you're, you're, you, you love to tell lies. You love to sneak around. You love to trick people. You love to steal from people. And then when you meet Jesus, all of a sudden, something happens in your heart. There's a conversion. It's like, I want to tell the truth now. Like, I want to I help people. I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to take what's not mine. I don't want to lust after other people that, come on. Amen. There's a conversion that happens. There's a change that happens on the inside. Why? Because I'm no longer myself. I'm taking on Jesus Christ. Amen. And this is what it's about. And so true discipleship, true discipleship is, is when the totality of our being is set under the authority of Jesus. It comes under His Lordship and it comes under His influence. And it's not just something that you believe in. It's something that you actually began to live through and you began to live out and you began to, amen, take on as you and as your, your own beliefs. And so I think that it's important to understand that the very first thing that I see, the practice of a disciple, is really complete conversion. And I believe this is what Jesus is asking us in this day. And he's calling people to is complete conversion. You know, people said, well, I'm not here to change anybody. I'm not here to, to convert people to religion. I'm not here. No, no. But you know what? I'm here to make disciples. That's the truth of the matter is that we're here to be disciples and every disciple is called to make disciples. And so my goal is, is that when I'm talking to somebody or when I'm loving people, I'm, I'm doing good works or acts of kindness for somebody, my goal is for them to meet Jesus. My goal is, is for them to be saved. My goal is for them to know the Lord and His power. Come on. When I'm talking to somebody that's bound and addicted, amen, my whole desire is, is that they will know who Jesus is and receive His healing power. Right? So my whole end game is to make disciples. That's what it's about, It's to make disciples. And so I'm not here to convert anybody. I can't. I'm not here to... See, a lot of people, when they witness and they talk to people about the Lord, they, they do such a poor job because all they can talk about is their church. Oh, come to my church. You'll love it. It's friendly. It's great. We've got this. We've got that. Oh, you'll like it. You'll find peace. And, or come to Jesus and he'll save you from drugs or he'll, he'll, he'll make you feel better. He'll do this. He'll do that. But how many know that's not a call to salvation at all? That's a call to an organization. That's a call to a group of people. That's a call to another country club. That's all that is. Come and you can get an invitation. No, no, no. Come to Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth and the life. You can have eternal life. Amen? You can put your sins behind you and be set free. The second thing I see is the practice of a Jesus follower is intentional devotions. Intentional devotions. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul said to the Corinthian church, he said, when I come to you, all I want to talk about is Jesus and Him crucified. That's all that's on my mind. That's all that's on my heart. That's the first thing I think about. He said identified with that. Paul over and over, read his writings and read his teachings. He identified with the crucifixion of Jesus. In Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Right? He identified and he said that I would know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. He constantly, he had this thing in his heart. And see, when I say intentional devotions, automatically you think of reading your Bible and getting the word of the day and, the, and reading your YouTube app and all that. I, I believe in that and that's necessary. But how many know it's much more than that? 
It's about being completely in love with Jesus. That's what it's about. Being this follower of Jesus is this intentional devotions that he's not just something I do an hour in the morning or a half hour at night. It's, it's my whole life. I mean, I devoted my life to the Lord. My whole life is a song. It's a worship. It's a, come on, it's for him. It's to him. And so I, this is what it means to be, have intentional devotions is that I don't want to know anything, ultimately, except Christ and Him crucified. I want to know about Jesus. I want to learn of Him. I want to be like Him. Come on. I want Him to be impact in my, my, my day, my life, my neighborhood. That's what I want. Intentional devotions. So it's daily fellowship with Jesus. Yes, it is. As we see this over and over again. The pattern and the principles of following Jesus is daily fellowship with the Lord, not just a weekend visits. Amen? That's what a church sign said one time. It said, God wants full custody, not just weekend visits. Amen. And this is devotions, intentional devotions. And, and it's faithful to keeping your part of the vow that you made to God. That's what devotions is. I love to think of that. David said, Lord, I want to keep my vows to you. It's keeping the teachings of Jesus. It's not just hearing it. It's doing it. That's what intentional devotions are all about. It's doing what you read. It's doing what you hear from the Lord and for, about Jesus. And so it's being made clean through His Word by the Bible, as the Bible says. This is what Jesus is talking about. It's learning of His ways. It's following His voice. Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's what it's about, to have intentional devotions. I'm hearing the voice of God. So many times we're tuned in to so many other things except the voice of God. Does God speak today? Absolutely. He speaks every single day to your heart. Amen. And so we're a dedicated student and a learner. That's what it means to, to be a, a Christ follower. You're a dedicated student and a learner of Him and His ways. And it's amazing how much we can really learn about other things except Him, about the Lord. I mean, you can, you can read books on prayer, but not really pray. You can read books about the cross and not be saved. How many know what I'm talking about? And it's a lot of that stuff. But it's all those things. In Psalm 63, verse 8, David says this, My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Or with passion I pursue and cling to you because I feel your grip on my life. That's intentional devotions. It's walking with the Lord and every day, amen, in a very close way. And number three, I believe that one of the practices of a Jesus follower is that you're a strong witness for the Lord. A strong witness for the Lord. Amen. Oh, come on. A strong witness. I'm not talking about you have to stand out on the corner with a bullhorn. I mean you're a strong witness. Your life is a witness. Your words are a witness. Your testimony is a witness. Amen. What you do, what you say, everything about your life is a witness, a reflection. You're pointing somebody else, amen, to Jesus. That's what it's all about, to be a strong witness. The Bible says that we read, as Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. In Matthew chapter 4, he says, I'm going to make you fishers. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. This is the mission. This isn't something that they knew about. This is something that God was going to do with them. That they were going to be fishers of men. The Holy Spirit really has been given in our lives to be these fishermen. To be on this mission. To be, amen, the disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. How many know if you know how to be, you'll know how to do, right? And so that's what the Bible Amen. Makes it. So you're a strong witness. What does it mean to be a strong witness? It means you're committed to be a faithful and a true witness, as the Bible says. A faithful and a true witness. In other words, you, you take preaching seriously. You don't just say, you know what, I'm not here to be preachy. I'm not here. I don't want to be preachy. Nobody likes preachy. But you know what, I'm here to preach the gospel. You know? So you take it serious. There's an element in your heart where you actually take preaching seriously. Where you actually, you actually really want to... Turn the conversation 
towards the Lord. It's, it, you just take it serious, and it's something very valuable. You understand the value of people to God. That would, that's what it means to be a strong witness. Not just that you're you know, some loud, obnoxious, bold person, but you really take and you understand the value of people to God. How many have a VIP list? Amen. Come on, people you're praying, amen, that need the Lord. Amen. You know what VIP means? Very important people to God. You understand the value that God has towards people. You understand the value that people are. So that's what it means to be a strong witness. You're not just going around saying, well, you know, you're, you know, you're, a, you're a zero and you need the Lord. You're a loser and you need Jesus. No, you're, you're understanding the value that God has for people's lives. You're understanding what it means that to, to knock on somebody's door and let them know that Jesus loves them, somebody's concerned about them because you know that they're getting ready to take their life or maybe you don't know. Come on. You understand that the value of people's lives in God's eyes is very precious. And so that's what makes a strong witness. Somebody who's a strong witness is one who preaches the doctrines of Jesus and doesn't avoid them but understands them and understands how to teach them to other people. It's somebody who, who's received power over demonic powers and sickness and disease. That's a strong witness. Is this a New Testament church, right? Yeah, we are. And we believe that. We still believe that. And we believe that a strong witness also cannot be ashamed. That's what it means to be a strong witness. You cannot be ashamed of Jesus. First of all, you won't be ashamed and you can't be ashamed. Amen? That's what it means to be a true disciple and a Jesus follower. Somebody that's a strong witness. Somebody that cannot be ashamed. A true disciple understands that the end game is to make more disciples. That's what it means. I mean, that's what it's all about, to make more disciples. And number four, I really believe that a, a practice of a Christ follower is someone who living in purpose. Living in purpose. Jesus, when he was just young... Amen. Just a young man knew the purpose of God. Completely consumed at 12 years old with the purpose of God. I must be about my father's business, he said. And then later on, Jesus said, what did he declare? He said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. He said, I, I didn't come to, to build an organization. I didn't come to be a political leader. I didn't come to, I came to be a suffering servant that I can seek and save that which was lost. Do you ever think about this for a moment? Who in the world would ever follow a servant? We, we want to follow a celebrity. We want to follow a king. Somebody that's popular, has a lot of money. Come on, isn't it great to have friends that have money? Amen? But that, that's, in, we, that's who we want. We want, to, we want to follow people. Who in the world would follow a servant? And yet Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve others. I came to minister to others. That's what blew people's mind away. He didn't come to overthrow the Roman government. He didn't come to be a political leader or a great preacher or a great, come on, a political figure. He came to be a servant. Wow, that just blows me away. And so who am I to think that, that I can do any better than Jesus? Who am I to think that I'm going to do any different than Jesus? And so if Jesus was consumed about the Father's business and he was consumed about seeking and saving the law, he was consumed with the purpose of God. Shouldn't I be? Shouldn't I be consumed? In John 4, it says, come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you fish. I love that. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He just gave them their identity and their purpose right there. He just confirmed their identity and their purpose in the Lord. His purpose reveals my identity. That's the bottom line is. His purpose reveals my identity. I know a lot of people, they just go around and, and they want to, to you know, find out, their, take these assessment tests and, and what kind of personality you have and what are you good at. And, and that's all good and everything. But how many know my purpose is in my identity and my identity was laid long before, amen, I was ever born. My identity is in Jesus Christ. It's not in an assessment test. It's not in other people. It's not in my culture. My identity comes from my purpose in Jesus Christ. And when you discover your purpose, see, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. There's a lot of people who don't know what they're doing because they don't know who they are. And when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Come on, somebody. Amen. But your identity doesn't come from a test that you can take online. Your identity's already been written. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the one I identify with. He's the one I take on. I don't have to create. I love this. I don't have to create an identity. There's already one created for me. It's in the form of Jesus. I don't have to create what I believe. It's already there. Amen. And so I'm living in that purpose. I'm living that identity, living in that through Jesus Christ. Jesus describes his purpose as one of the things he describes his purpose as walking in the light. Let me explain this to you. In John 8, Jesus said this. Later, he said this to his disciples. He said, I am the light of the world. So if you follow me, you won't stumble through the darkness. For living light will flood your path. And in 1 John, it says, walk in the light as he is in the light. What is that? That's an understanding. That's, that's when you know who God is and, and who you are in him. And that's when you have a, an understanding of your purpose in life. And when you understand that your purpose is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Amen. Everything that I need is in him, including who I am. Amen. And what I'm supposed to be doing. Amen. And so that's, that's what it means. Walk in the light. Jesus said that we're to walk in light and not in darkness. I love that. Also, one of the things about, to understand about living in purpose is, as Jesus taught us, to lose our life. To lose our life and take on His. See, a disciple loses their life to discover His life. And what happens is, is their passion in doing the will of God becomes the only really passion that they have. It's the most important passion. It's called pleasing God. It's called doing what He wants to do, not what I want to do. When Jesus said that I need to deny myself, that He literally meant that I need to, my desires, my passions, all those things are put under, amen, behind and beside His. It's all about His desires. It's all about His will. It's all about His heart. Anybody with me? Amen. Amen. My desires get me in trouble. My, my passions will lead me in a place that my, my character can't keep me. I mean, come on, they'll get me in trouble, won't they? Amen. I can't follow my passions all the time. I can't follow my desires. But if I follow his passion, if I follow his desires, if my passion becomes his passion, right, or his passion becomes mine, whatever, amen, I know he's going to lead me in the right path. In the right way, in the right things. And I love that about the Lord. So it's a dedication to carry out His purposes in the earth. It's living in purpose really becomes living on purpose and for purpose. And the fifth thing I see is what happens, the practices of a, of a Jesus follower really is a settled mind. It comes into a settled mind. In Romans 8, 
talks about this and says that, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. What's going to separate me from the love of God? Shall tribulations and, and all these bad things and all these negative things, all these cultural things, are they going to separate me? No, he said, listen, all these things, I'm more than a conqueror. He said, nothing can separate me from the love of God. It's just not going to happen. I have a settled mind. And because I know that nothing can separate me, my mind is made up. My mind is settled. Amen. That's what it means. First of all, it means to have a mind that's made up. Second of all, it means to have a mind that's at peace. A peaceful mind. A settled mind. See, temptations and strongholds, you're winning the battle of fear in your mind. It's all about, amen, what God wants us to have as a disciple is a settled mind. When you have a made up mind, you'll have peace of mind. A lot of people don't have peace of mind because they don't have a made-up mind. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's what it says. And so a made-up mind will be a settled mind, a mind at peace. Amen. That's why you can go through a storm and you can have peace in the storm and you can take your rest in God because your mind's already made up. I'm going to the other side. I'm going to go through this. Whether, whether one way or the other, I'm going to get through this. God's going to bring me through. I'm not going to run from this thing. I'm going to go right through this thing with Jesus. Amen. With the Lord. With Scripture. I'm going to have peace of mind. I'm not going to lose my mind. Some of you are just losing your mind over things that God's already figured out. You just need to be settled and go to bed and sleep at night and say, God, you've got my back. You're going to take care of it. My, my, I mean, my, I don't know what I'm going to do, but you do. And you've got my future in your hands. Amen. Some of you just need to have a settled mind. You've got to have a made-up mind. Listen, I'm going on with Jesus, come hell or high water. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I don't care what society tells me to do. I don't do what, come on, I don't do what people tell me to do. I don't think the way people tell. I do what God wants me to do. I think the way God wants me to think. I've got a made-up mind. Maybe you didn't understand it, but I'm not turning back. I mean, some people, they start on this Christian journey, they have a little speed bump, and they turn back. Not me. I don't know about you, but I've been saved, I've been baptized, and God saved me from a life worse than death. I'm not going back to that. Are you kidding me? Any bad day in in Jesus is better than the best day in the world. I mean, I I have a made-up mind. I'm not going back. One of the compromises that Pharaoh wanted to make with the children of Israel is go to the desert, but only go a little bit. You can go to the desert and worship, but come back to Egypt. Are you kidding me? I am that I am sent me, and he told me to set these people free because we're going to promised land. We're not staying in the wilderness. I don't just go to church and then go back to what I used to do. I don't just kind of show up in religion and then just kind of go back. Man, I'm here for the long haul. I'm here for eternity. I mean, God's got me and he's going to keep me. Amen. I've got a settled mind. I've got a, I've got a made up mind. There's no options for me other than Jesus. That's just the way it is. I don't have any regrets. I don't have any retreat in mind. Come on. I don't have any reservation about this thing. Man, my mind's made up. Mine's, I mean, I have a steady mind, a made-up mind. And sometimes I need a peaceful mind. Amen? But let your settled mind determine a peaceful mind. Amen? And so you don't have to know, I love this about the Lord, you don't have to know all the mysteries of the Bible. You don't have to know all the timelines. You, you, you don't have to get discouraged if God takes forever. You know what Jesus said in John chapter 21? Jesus said, if I tarry till I come, if, if, if I carry and I take my time till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. 
In fact, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, it says that I haven't been given the power to know the end times. That, he said the power hasn't been given to you. That, that power's not, so don't sweat it. Don't fret about it. Don't worry about it. I mean, some of you are losing your mind over the Illuminati. Listen, go to bed. Have a good night's rest. Jesus is going to take care of it. You don't have that power. But he said, I will give you a power. And the power that I'm going to give you is to be my witness. You may not have the power to know the end times and understand all the mysteries and timelines of the Bible right now, but one power I am giving you, and that is to be my witness. Amen? And Jesus said, so if I take a million years to come, what is that to you? Follow me. All right. Whatever. That settles that debate. Right? Amen. 2 Timothy, I've got to move on. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. All the things he said he suffered, shipwrecks and, and all loneliness and, and all these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know in whom I believe and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Amen. How many know God's careful to watch over me? Amen. I've committed my heart to him. I've committed my life to him. And he's going to watch over me. Amen. I'm persuaded as he said. And the other thing that I see as a practice of a Jesus follower is joy in persecution. Now that's just crazy right there. Joy in persecution. Not sadness. It, and, and, I, and I understand where people are coming from, but you know, these people kind of get me that they just, you know, oh, you gotta, you, we gotta do something about all these suffering Christians and all these martyrs. Do you know something? These people are willing to lay their life down for Jesus. The Bible says, precious in the eyes of the Lord are the death of his saints. Those that give their lives up in martyrdom, the Bible says they'll be crowned, amen, and they'll have a white robe. Amen. There's joy in persecution. This is com really completely contrary to our Western society, isn't it? We think that, man, if you suffer a little trouble, you need to get out of it. Jesus needs to get you out of it. But how many know Jesus can walk through flames if he has to? Oh yeah, he, he can walk in a furnace if he has to. Amen. If you've got to go through the furnace, so be it. He'll be there with you. Amen. There's joy in persecution. I believe this is one of the things that are going to make, cause you to be a cutting edge, contagious Christian in, the, in, in these last days is to understand that there's joy in persecution. In fact, I'm going to read it in, John, or in Matthew chapter 5. And we're hurrying here. Matthew chapter 5. He said this in verse 12. In verse 10 and 12, sorry, he said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, if you're persecuted for being obnoxious, that's your fault. But he said, Amen, righteousness' sake, Amen. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall uh, revile you and persecute you, and say all, all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. And Jesus said, if they hated me, guess what? Oh yeah, join the club. They're going to hate you. You just got, you, yeah, you just got your, welcome to the club, amen. And Jesus said, you're no better than your master. But how many know a lot of times people aren't mad at you, they're upset at what you represent. They're, they're frustrated at, at what you're, where you're coming from. They don't, they don't like the one you represent. Amen. Come on. They feel uncomfortable. They un feel uncomfortable. And Jesus said if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Why? Not because of you, but because of me. Amen. And so we, we've got to understand. And verse 22 says this of Matthew 5. It says, 
and if you will be hated of all men for my name's sake, you, uh, the Bible says it was a promise, you will be hated of all men, all men for my name's sake. That's great, isn't that? Thanks, Lord. Appreciate that. That's amazing. But then he says, but he that endures to the end will be saved. Aren't you glad for all the promises in the book? Even the ones I don't agree with? Amen. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Come on, you don't feel comfortable with that. Amen. Suffering for Christ is expected. That's what, that's, what the, that's what the whole thing was about. Jesus said, count the cost. Don't just jump into this thing. Don't just come into this thing, you know, half-hearted and, and just because everybody else is coming in. Don't just do that. Think about this for a moment. This is going to cost you your life. You're going to give up everything. You need to be baptized in my name. And he said, when it does, it's going to cost you everything. Think about it for a moment. That's what Jesus said. Think about it. And yet we've got the pressure of, of uh, we've got to get them saved right now. And if they don't get saved, no, 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 no. Let them think about it for a moment. Let them think about it for a season. You've, you've witnessed to them. You shared the love of Jesus. Pray for them. And come on, your family members, let them think on it a little bit. Let them count the cost. You don't want them to come to church and then regret it and then they'll blame you and become bitter and God. Come on, let them think about it a little bit. Some of you need to tell somebody, maybe you're not ready right now. Maybe you need to take some time and think about it a little bit. Amen. But suffering for Jesus is expected. I mean, even Paul said, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. Everybody. I mean, it's, it's kind of like given. It's just like, you know, we're, we're whining and crying, the Western church. You know, um, I tried to witness to my neighbor, and he told me to shut up. And I, I'm so hurt over that, and I need therapy for a couple months. And Paul the Apostle would be like, come on, look at your name go, come on. Amen. Right? He'd be like, what? what? I, I was beat. I mean, they, they beat me up and then drug me out of the city for dead. And you're crying because you got a flat tire, or you, you know, because you, they told you no. They ripped up the track. They threw it on the ground. And you're all, like, messed up over that? Paul's probably like, oh, my, right? Wow. But listen to this. See, let me just say this because we've got to move on. Finish up. Let's put it that way. We're not to live in a hateful way. We're just not. We're not to live in a hateful way. But the way Jesus lived was hated. Now, that's the truth, Right? Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable, conformable unto his death. Jesus had no problem with people walking away who were not ready to receive him. He had no issue with that. He just didn't. I mean, here was a guy, a rich young ruler. Wouldn't you love to have a rich young ruler walking in your crew, to be part of your crew? And yet, what does Jesus do? Jesus tell him, hey man, I love you. And the Bible says Jesus said it with great love. I love you, but you're missing one thing in your life. Go and sell everything you have and come and follow me. Think about it. Wow. Because Jesus wanted to get him ready for the reality of Christianity, which is persecution, which is hardship at times, right? Come on, maybe you thought it was all butterflies and unicorns and rainbows and all that. No, no, it, it, sometimes it's just rough. But you know what? Because I've got a made-up mind, because I've got a committed heart, because I'm converted to Jesus, amen, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can go through anything. I can be faced with all kinds of trouble. I can be threatened. I can be beaten. I can be forsaken. I can be rejected in this world. But there's somebody that doesn't reject me. There's somebody that will receive me. Come on. That's Jesus. Amen. I love that. I love that. So if you cry about not having friends, just cheer up. Jesus knows where you're at. Amen. And the last thing is this, that the practices of a Christ follower, Jesus follower, is sacrifice. 
Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says that because of what Jesus has done for us, let us commit our lives as living sacrifices. That's what it says, the bowels of mercy because of what God has done for us. That we need to commit our lives and commit ourselves, amen, as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice to the Lord. And that's what it means. It means to become, because of what God's done, the least we can do, read it, the least we can do is to offer ourselves completely to him for whatever he wants. That's what he said, that you're a living sacrifice. You know sacrifice. You understand it. You're not somebody that just, you, you, you have left everything. You gave it up. You, you, you've forsaken things. You've abandoned relationships. You were willing to, to uh, leave people. You were willing to do that for the sake of Jesus. So you understand from the very beginning, a disciple understands sacrifice. From the very, set, from the very beginning, we understand sacrifice. We understand that we live a life of sacrifice, and we, we at times live a life of blessing. I can't preach half a gospel and say that your life is all blessing. I've got to preach the whole thing and say it's sacrifice too. Is that right? We've got to preach the whole gospel and say that's what it says. John said this. John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he can increase. He understood. I've got to lay this ministry that God gave me that I gave my whole life for, study for it, and prepare my whole life for this time. I've got to set it aside. I've got to sacrifice my own reputation that he Amen. Can be seen, that he can be heard. Right? That's what John said. John said, I must decrease that he could increase. And in Matthew 16, 24, as we read it, it says, take up your cross and deny yourself and follow me. That's, that's just not comfortable for us sometimes. But it's truth. That's what it's all about. See, all our personal goals, all our dreams, our, one preacher put it this way, our time, our talent, and our treasure are all subject to Jesus Christ. Amen. How many have ever seen that cartoon of a, a, a guy being baptized and before they was getting baptized, the preacher told him, he said, now when you get baptized, everything you own belongs to Jesus. And the next, next picture was him getting baptized. He was underwater except for his hand. He had money in it. And he said, and how many know some of us, we kind of feel that way sometimes. Amen. Everything else except, but it's sacrifice. See, those who are willing, or, or, or those who really sacrifice, they understand the principles of blessing. They can handle blessing because they can handle sacrifice. Amen. So they understand about it, that it's just not money, it's just not material things, but it's your whole life. That's what it's about. Sacrificing my personal goals and my dreams and saying, Lord, what is your goals? What are your dreams? Amen. And that's what it's about. Amen. So I really believe that there's people that only only sacrifice or only serve and they'll only extend themselves to the point where it makes them look good or until they're comfortable feeling. And okay, that's, that's uncomfortable for me. But how many know the Bible makes it clear that Jesus went, and the Bible says with the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Amen? He, he was willing to drink that cup of sacrifice. I love that. And just lastly, you really can't have real love without real sacrifice. When you know Jesus and you have real love, then you know real sacrifice. To practice real sacrifice is to practice real love. The Bible says no greater love than this, than what? A man lay his life down for his friends. So you really don't know love until you know sacrifice. Come on. And you don't know sacrifice until you know love and experience love. 1 John 3.16 says this, We know what real love is from Christ's examples in dying for us. And so we also ought to lay our lives down for other Christian brothers. Wow. How many know we know sacrifice? 
So a follower of Jesus, a Jesus follower, knows these things. These are some of the practices of a Jesus follower. I don't know about you, but as I was going over this, I was thinking, Lord, Lord, I, I want to be the, the Jesus follower that I see in the Bible that you called the disciples to. I want to walk this thing out, as Paul said, that we would walk our our calling out, that we would walk out the reason that we've been called, the reason that we've been, we've been apprehended. I want to I really lay hold of that today. I don't know about you, but I want to lay hold of these things. I want to get a hold of what it means to be a real Jesus follower. And in Philippians, lastly, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul said this, not as though I've already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which also I was apprehended by Jesus Christ. So today we're following after these things, aren't we? Amen. And if you're a Jesus follower, these are some of the practices that we do. Let's encourage each other to be sacrificial. Let's encourage each other to love each other more. Let's encourage each other to be a strong witness. Let's do that. Let's encourage each other to have intentional devotions and, and to be truly converted to Jesus and walk as converts of Jesus. Let's encourage one another. Amen? Today. Let's stand on our feet. Amen. You know, and I, I just could break this down. If I could break down what following Jesus is all about and, and walking with Jesus is all about, it's really about loving Him. How many know that there's really no question in the Bible about God's love for us? Amen. There's just absolutely no question. There's no question about His deep love for you and His lasting love for you. And it's nothing you can do that, that, that'll work up His love in a greater way. He loves you with such a great love right now. There's just nothing you can do to say, well, God, I know that if I do this, I know I'll make you love me more. No, you can't do that. His love is so great for you. You just can't do that. But, you know, we're, we're, we're at the same time, we're saying, Lord, because you love me so much, I want to please you. Because, Lord, your love for me in the scriptures, I see it through the Bible. When I came to you, amen, when I was 16 and I got saved, I, I, I sensed and I knew the love of God. There's no question of God's love for us. But how many know sometimes it's a matter of our love for him? Amen. Amen. And so today I want to encourage you to follow. Be a strong follower of Jesus Christ. Be a disciple and make other disciples. That's what it's about. So let's follow the Lord today with all our hearts. Amen. And everything within us. Lord, we just thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are working in us, Lord. You would rather do something in us than for us. You're not like this father that just gives us gifts and walks away. But, Lord, you want to see something happen in us mightily. Something that's amazing, Lord. So you're working in us, as Philippians says, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. To give us the will to, the how to, and the want to of your will. Lord, help us today to practice being a Jesus follower, Lord. In the world around us, they don't need another version of themselves. They need to see Jesus. And so, Lord, help us be that Jesus follower that you've called us to be. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation, but also, Lord, we want to say thank you for this relationship of discipleship, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That you loved us enough not to leave us the way we were, but to give us purpose, to give us a future and a hope, and a calling that goes beyond ourselves. Lord, we just thank you today for what you're doing in our lives around us in our neighborhoods our city lord we give you all the praise and all the glory because better things are on the horizon lord in jesus name and everybody said amen as micah stated earlier if you need prayer amen our prayer teams will come if there's anything in your life that you need prayer for anything maybe somebody at home that they're not here today in your family you'd like us to pray with you about them for them we certainly want to do that we don't want you to leave today without being really feeling and sensing the love of God. We want to love on you a little bit. 
Amen. If you have any questions or a connection card you'd like to return or uh, fill out and put in, you can take it to the back in the connection table. But I don't know about you, but in about 10 minutes, I'm going to have some really good coffee and talk to you guys. So in about 10 minutes, we're going to head downstairs. Let's fellowship today. God bless you. Have a great week.